In session three on the observer position, we're going to mainly look at the practice. How do we actually do this? Having covered some of the theory as to why it's useful and uh, the position that we take in order to practice it, we're now going to look at the practice itself. So, the simple way to understand the aims of the observer position is to think of yourself as re-triggering the adult. So if you think of circumstances trigger your brain to protect you, your practice, your observer position, is to get your core self back in the driving seat. So this is re-triggering the adult. So circumstances trigger the part and we then observe and re-trigger the adult. Now this is done not by fighting or demanding things of yourself. This is That's the traditional approach but rather we do things by negotiating with your brain. Now this is fascinating to me and can only be done from the observer position because you're really asking your brain to trust you more. Think about trust in this license that you're on, right? So think of your core state as a state of trust between the two rooms. You know, when you decided what you wanted for breakfast this morning, your brain trusted you to make that decision. That's the way to think of it. You're allowed to run your life uh, and your brain will trust you as long as there's no threat. So triggering is really a lack of trust. It's, it's like your brain saying, well, I was trusting you with all this stuff, but now this has happened. I need to take over because you can't be trusted with this uh, in this territory, with this circumstance. So triggering is really a lack of trust, a way your brain protects you because it doesn't trust you to play safe in this particular circumstance. So try this little experiment now. I want you to think about the last time, or, or it, honestly it could be the next time, that you experienced or will experience this triggered state. Right? Think of anything. Think of something that happened a few days ago or might happen or probably will happen in a couple of days' time where you really weren't yourself. You, 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 couldn't, you couldn't identify with those eight words. Now, I want you to run this like a movie in your head. Or, if that's too triggering itself, which we have to acknowledge it can be, it can literally trigger you to just run that movie, but if it's a bit difficult for you, think about a clear space on the wall opposite you and run the movie on that wall. That separates you a little bit more, and especially if you're in the movie yourself. It will just separate you a bit and maybe make you less triggered. So try and run the movie now, and as you watch this movie of yourself in an agitated state, in a state that is not your core self, the thing I really want you to notice is how calm the part of you that's doing the observing is. The part of you that's watching the film. Notice how calm you are. Even if you're watching yourself in a horrible panicky state and how you, you know, screwed up another situation or got something wrong. Notice the part of you that's doing the observing is calm. Even when you're triggered into an extreme state, you can often observe from your core state of calm confidence. Now it's from this position that you can start 
your negotiations. You see how you didn't have to, you know, achieve this at all. You can just do it. And so um, this is the observer position in practice. And you can do it uh, ahead of time. You can do it retrospectively. Or you can do it in the middle of a situation. Try all three. Um, nothing wrong with that. However, here's a note of caution. If when, you're, if when you're observing yourself in this panicky, difficult state, fear, anger, whatever it is, and you notice that you feel something other than calm, put the brakes on. Put the brakes on straight away. Because what's happening there is part of your complexity. All that's happening is, again, very common. It's when, instead of your core self doing the observing, it's now another part of your brain that's doing the observing. And this, again, as I say, it's very common. But it means we can't negotiate from that position. And it's because, occasionally, one part can observe and usually judge the other. And these are called polarised parts because they usually take an opposite or judgmental position on the part that's triggered. So, for instance, um, you might say, well, you know, this part has me drinking and getting drunk. This other part judges that part and says, oh, you terrible person. How could you have done that again? And this is where the two parts start fighting. And this is inner conflict. But uh, if you think of them as another polarised part, uh, necessarily taking an opposite or judgmental position on the other or, or on the part that's triggered, the main thing to notice is always your state. Remember, it starts with your state. So, it's your calm, confident, courageous state that tells you that there's a good blend of adult. If you're feeling anything else, then you assume it's another part. And what do we do? Our practice is to step back again. So we already step back once to observe the part. Now we have to step back again and observe the part observing the part. It's, it might sound complicated when you put it that way, but it's very, very natural when you do it. You simply realise that there is one judgmental part of you looking at another part of you. So now notice your state as you observe these two. Did you get calm? Did, did you feel calm and confident and so on? Well, if you did, then you've achieved your adult state again. Again, very simple to do. And step back as many times as you need to until you're observing from this calm position. Once you get the calm center, you can begin your negotiations. So how do we do this? Well, the next step, uh, you can do this a number of ways, but I want you to think initially of the simplest way, which is to think of yourself driving a car. Now, most of you probably do drive, um, so this is very easy for you to imagine. Now, in the car are several others. Uh, we're going to call these your parts. Now, you could consider these parts as your inner family. That's one way of looking at it. Your brain, these are the parts in the car. They're looking a long way down the road. Further than your consciousness is, usually. You're just seeing, you know, where you're driving right now. They're looking at where you're headed. And your brain, because it looks a long way in the future, it sees a problem. Often sees a threat way before you do. Now, the brain effectively says to itself, 
if we carry on down this road, we're going to be in danger. There's, there's a problem down there. And what does it do when it sees that threat? Well, it effectively removes you from the driving seat. This is taking the license back. This is revoking the license. It removes you from the driving seat. One of the parts comes forward to take over and turns down another road. Not the road you would have turned down as an adult, but a road that saves you from that threat. Even though it could be disastrous for you. You know, this road that it's turned you down. It could involve activities like drugs or alcohol, gambling or some form of addiction. But the part does not see the difficulty with this. Now, this is the thing to get hold of. As an adult, your core self, you're going to say, well, that's a disaster because it's going to make it even worse. But the part doesn't think like that. This part of your brain, you've got to understand, it's extremely simple. All it cares about is protecting you from that threat at this time. From that threat at this time. So the part doesn't see any difficulty with uh, turning you down that road, only that it has protected you from the threat of the road you were on. And this is generally because we can think of your parts as younger, sometimes much younger than you are now. Just think about it for a second. If your part is eight years of age, then you can only really expect the kind of solution that an eight-year-old would come out with. They're not going to come out with grown-up solutions. They're going to give you eight-year-old solutions. So your parts do not have your experience, remember. They don't have your maturity. They don't have your wisdom. Often, they don't share your beliefs or your attitudes. Thinking about the age of your part will often give you an idea of how to engage with it. But however you try to engage, always avoid fighting. Fighting is not the way we go. This is too traditional um, and, and it sees the part as some kind of enemy or something. It is not your enemy. Whatever it's doing and however disastrous it's been in the past, remember... This part is only trying to help you, only ever trying to help you. So we say negotiate, never demand. If you fight for possession of the steering wheel, remember, you'll probably lose. Remember, your brain thinks it's protecting your life. It's not going to stop doing that just because you try and grab the steering wheel. So your practice is to aim for a negotiated settlement. Always try your best to avoid any fighting or demanding when you're triggered. So even though you're doing a good observation, good observing now, the fact is that even if you were to win the steering wheel back for a little while, it's very likely that your brain will eventually overpower you. So trust is the result of a negotiated settlement. Once your brain trusts you with something, it will trust you forever. So this is the best approach for two reasons. The first I've already talked about, which is that you'll probably lose anyway. But the second reason is because, well, it's the appropriate approach to take when someone's actually trying to help you. You have to appreciate them. You have to get, gain a relationship with them where you explain to them that, you know, it's very kind of them to help you, but um, you need to go a different way. Now, Western culture really has taught us for years to expect that this, you know, special someone 
is going to come along and be our primary caregiver. They're going to take care of things. They're going to sort our problems out. And this, of course, can be disastrous. Um, we often want to give up responsibility because we've been so useless at it. We've made such a mess that we think, oh, well, somebody else needs to help me and take over. And of course, we're encouraged that when we find this perfect person, they'll effectively manage our flaws and vulnerabilities. And of course, this idea can also lead us to believing that we're supposed to do that for someone else. But actually, this leads to all sorts of problems with our boundaries. And like any other stored belief, it will not change until we change it. So remember, becoming your own primary caregiver is the motivation that we need to take this observer position, to do the negotiating and to work on the inside. Developing your observer position, as well as the practices that follow from it, will encourage you to become your own primary caregiver, the captain of your ship, the driver in your car. Whether you think of yourself as a captain with a crew or a car driver with a family, you're going to benefit from the practice of observing your parts from your core position. So there it is. I hope you got a lot from those three sessions. Again, it's just the beginning of your practice, but it gives you a good understanding of what you're trying to do and how to do it. So thanks for listening and until next time, Bye for now.